Welcome to Conference Coverage, presented by ReachMD on XM Radio and powered by HealthDay. Featuring the latest research findings presented at the 164th Annual Meeting of the American Psychiatric Association, held from May 14th to the 18th in Honolulu. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. And I'm Sue Berg. The annual meeting of the American Psychiatric Association was held May 14th to 18th in Honolulu and attracted over 8,000 participants from around the world. The conference highlighted recent advances in the prevention, detection, and treatment of psychiatric conditions, with presentations focusing on mental illnesses, including substance abuse disorders. Postoperative delirium following cardiac surgery appears to be a significant event according to researcher Dr. Adam Lau of the Zucker Hillside Hospital in Glen Oaks, New York. Delirium is characterized by reduced clarity of awareness of the environment with reduced ability to focus, sustain, or shift attention. The presence of delirium after cardiac surgery has been associated with increases in length of intensive care and overall hospital stays, internal wound stability and correction, and in the incidence of intubation. Lau and his colleagues evaluated 50 patients following cardiac bypass and or valvular surgery and found an overall incidence of delirium of 20%, with significantly higher rates at older ages. Delirium incidence among patients over 70 was 38% and 43% among those over 80. Comparatively, the investigators found that no patients under 70 years of age experienced delirium post-surgery. Based on these findings, the study authors believe there is a rationale in targeting patients for delirium screening and prospective studies based on their age. If trends first seen in Japan as a result of their economic crisis are mimicked in the United States, there will likely be a significant increase in suicides, particularly in the baby boomer population. That was the conclusion of a study conducted by Dr. William Yates and colleagues of the University of Oklahoma in Tulsa. Suicide trends in Japan were evaluated by age, gender, and year in relation to a series of economic variables. The investigators also compared Japanese economic trends by year to estimate the timing of a potential economic effect on suicide rates in the United States. They found that if U.S. rates of increased suicide approximate those in Japan, the United States would see a yearly increase of suicide deaths estimated at 14,610. The authors state that U.S. clinicians and public health officials need to be alert to the potential for increased suicide rates in the United States. They point to a recent increase in suicides among baby boomers, which may be a harbinger of the trend's onset. Women with histories of childhood physical abuse are at a higher risk for becoming violent in intimate relationships as well as becoming the victims of violence by their partners. That's the finding of a study conducted by Dr. Eleni Manetta and colleagues of the Harvard Longwood Psychiatry Residency Training Program in Boston. The investigators evaluated reports from individuals in 109 couples on histories of physical abuse in childhood and physical aggression toward adult partners during the previous year, as well as their typical modes of anger expression. Among female participants, severity of childhood abuse was significantly associated with violence against a current partner, and with being a victim of partner violence. In a statement, the researchers said a potential mechanism explaining this link may be passive-aggressive or brooding expressions of anger, rather than a more open way of expressing anger. Implications for clinical practice include the need to examine ways in which anger is being experienced and expressed in couples with intimate partner violence, looking at the childhood histories of both partners, and focusing on couples' dynamics rather than just the individuals separately. 
Investigators at the Naval Medical Center in San Diego showed that recreational use of synthetic cannabis may lead to psychosis that can last for days or months. The researchers evaluated 10 patients hospitalized for psychosis induced by the use of synthetic cannabis, commonly known as Spice, K2, Blaze, and Red X Dawn. These are plant materials coated with varying combinations of synthetic cannabinoids, which act on the body in a similar way to chemicals found in cannabis. The compounds have not been approved by the FDA for human consumption, and little is known about their safety. They found that synthetic cannabis was associated with ongoing psychiatric symptoms, including auditory and visual hallucinations, paranoid delusions, odd or flat affect, disorganized speech, and suicidal ideations. While psychotic symptoms generally resolve between five and eight days after admission, some cases continued for three months or longer. A study by investigators from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences reported that gaming and Internet activity negatively impacted self-reported teen sleep duration, while television use surprisingly had no effect. Physical activity, on the other hand, improved sleep duration. The investigators used data from the 2009 Youth Risk Behavioral Survey, a nationally representative sample of teens, in their analysis. Only 10% of the samples slept the recommended 9 hours per night. The majority of participants reported sleeping just 7 hours, and those sleeping less than 7 hours were more likely to report heavy video game use or internet use. Researchers cautioned that the findings on television not affecting sleep behavior were not supported by previous studies. They suggest television may have a different type of influence on sleep than gaming or internet use, and suggested more studies to understand the impact of different types of media on sleep. Participation in peer-led therapy groups can help at-risk patients become less vulnerable for suicide. That's the finding of a study screening primary care patients at a Veterans Affairs Medical Center. The study examined whether identifying and reinforcing suicide protective factors, such as responsibilities toward children and family, positive coping skills, spiritual, moral, and religious factors, and social supports may help lessen the impact of crises and depression and reduce the risk for suicide. Suicide risk assessment has become increasingly refined and utilized in public and private health facilities across the nation, including within the military, where high suicide rates have been occurring among recently returned military and older veterans. Primary care patients in this study were screened using the Patient Health Questionnaire 2. Those identified as at-risk were invited to a four-week peer-led therapy group aimed at providing social support and educational awareness of suicide protective factors. According to study authors, data are encouraging and show that by participating in a low-intensive, peer-led therapy group, primary care patients can become less vulnerable to suicidal ideation or behaviors. A rise in psychiatric emergency department visits and longer hospital stays among elderly patients in Hawaii suggests a coming mental health crisis for aging populations. That's the report by researchers from the Queen's Medical Center in Honolulu which showed psychiatric emergency room visits by elderly patients increasing by 30% from 2008 to 2009. The investigators tracked length of stay and age of over 14,000 patients triaged to the psychiatry section of the emergency department from 2007 to the present. Of these patients, 787 were age 65 or older. The data revealed an increasing percentage of psychiatric emergency department visits by older patients from year to year, with the largest increase of 30% from 2008 to 2009. In addition, 
Length of stay was a median of 403 minutes for older patients, compared to only 357 minutes for younger patients. According to the study authors, these results suggest a growing emergency department utilization for mental illness among the elderly, reflecting the difficulty in securing needed services elsewhere and placing an even greater strain on limited emergency department resources. Children of deployed active-duty military personnel may have a greater risk of being hospitalized for a mental or behavioral health disorder, with the risk of hospitalization increasing with the length of parental deployment. These findings were reported by Dr. Jeffrey Milligan and colleagues of the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences in Bethesda, Maryland. About 43% of active-duty military are parents, and previous research has shown that the stress of military deployment often extends to spouses and children. In this retrospective cohort study, researchers examined health records of over 375,000 children ages 9 to 17 whose parents were active duty personnel during 2007 to 2009 and looked at the association between parental deployment and children's psychiatric hospitalizations. Those children whose parents were serving overseas had a 10% increased risk of being hospitalized compared with those whose parents were not deployed. National Guard troops who exhibited some symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, but not enough to receive a diagnosis before deployment, were more vulnerable to PTSD when exposed to combat trauma than other troops. Adversely, pre-deployment depression and alcohol dependence were not associated with an increased risk for PTSD. Researchers from the University of Medicine and Dentistry in New Jersey surveyed National Guard members before and after deployment. They looked for PTSD symptoms like intrusive memories, hyperarousal, and avoidance of stimuli associated with the trauma, as well as for symptoms of depression and alcohol dependence. When any of the PTSD symptoms were present prior to deployment, Guard members were at a higher risk for a new onset of PTSD after exposure to combat trauma. Those screening positive for two out of three components prior to deployment had higher risk than those screening positive for just one. But despite the fact that depression and alcohol dependence are frequently found with PTSD, neither was a risk factor in this study. New research indicates that a protein important to fetal development, which declines significantly in the mother's bloodstream during pregnancy, could be a factor in the development of depression in some women. Researchers looked at levels of brain-derived neurotropic factor, or BDNF, in the bloodstream of a group of healthy women who were pregnant and compared them to women who were not pregnant. Serum BDNF was significantly lower in pregnant women. The authors suggest that BDNF may be sequestered by the fetus during pregnancy and that low levels of the protein could put some women at risk for developing depression during pregnancy. Future research on BDNF levels in depressed pregnant women is in planning. Research examining effects of shift work found that both excessive sleepiness and insomnia associated with shift work seriously impacted the lives of workers. Additionally, workers don't always recognize their own symptoms of a shift work disorder, and healthcare professionals believe that this disorder is missed two-thirds of the time. Investigators surveyed 260 shift workers and 673 healthcare professionals to examine the impact of excessive sleepiness associated with shift work and diagnosis of shift work disorder. Shift work negatively impacted respondents' lives by affecting energy levels in 72% of respondents, emotional health in 52%, and physical health in 51%. As a result of excessive sleepiness, 69% of respondents had made mistakes at work, 
43% said their ability to care for dependents had been compromised, and 10% had at least one work-related accident. Half of respondents wanted to change their jobs or work hours, but did not feel it was possible to do so. A second study looked at how shift work disorder was diagnosed from the perspective of healthcare professionals. When excessive sleepiness was discussed in clinical settings, shift workers initiated the conversation 82% of the time, while healthcare professionals initiated only 13% of the time. Healthcare professionals believed that 67% of shift work disorder is never detected by physicians and that half is undiagnosed because it is often masked by other conditions including depression. Both sleep studies were sponsored by and conducted in collaboration with Cephalon Incorporated. This conference coverage from the 164th Annual Meeting of the American Psychiatric Association, held from May 14th to the 18th in Honolulu, has been a presentation of ReachMD on XM Satellite Radio and by live stream at ReachMD.com and powered by Health Day. <laughs>